You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you here again this morning as we come to worship God together. hope you've continued to have a great uh, new year in uh, 2023. Um, it's uh, actually been a very sad time for myself and uh, our family. Um, unfortunately, my Uncle Joe just uh, passed away actually last night at about 8.30. Uh, fortunately, I'd had the chance to visit him a bit earlier in the week and it was good to spend time with him and uh, to pray for him. Uh, certainly a time like this is when I remember, you know, there's um, things that come together such as grief and uh, trust in God. And uh, Gail uh, today, uh, along with my sister, has gone to take care of mum. This was uh, mum's eldest brother. He was 99 actually, so he lived to quite an elderly age and he spent the last uh, six months or so in a nursing home. Um, so they're going to uh, take care of mum today. Uh, let her know the news and that. Um, so it's been a, a difficult time for me. Let me just pray perhaps uh, for that. Uh, Father God, we uh, thank you, Lord. We are reminded uh, that uh, all of our life uh, is in your hands. And uh, each moment, Lord, belongs to you. Help us to live each day that way. And knowing, Lord, that you are in control of all things. And uh, while we think we're in control, uh, we're not. So help us to love and to depend upon you each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, as you know, we've been going through this, uh, well, quite a long journey actually, through the Gospel according to Luke. And um, so far we've actually completed the first 11 chapters of uh, Luke. And today we're starting this nine-week series uh, we're looking at Luke chapters uh, 12 to uh, 14. Over that period of time, we've entitled uh, this little section, uh, Faith Under Pressure. Now, what are the things in our lives that put pressure, that put you know, stress on our faith? Now, there's so much in everyday life uh, that does that, doesn't it? It just like attacks our faith, really tries to grind it down in our lives and... Uh, and uh, we don't want to let that happen, do we? So today we're looking at the first uh, 12 verses of chapter 12 of Luke. And uh, this is entitled Faith Amidst Opposition. And uh, uh, let me start actually by just mentioning, you know, I hope you had a, a wonderful time over Christmas. You know, Christmas, it's interesting. Christmas is such a joyful time, isn't it? You know, Christmas and the New Year, we, we spend time with people and family and friends. We, we gather together, we eat and drink together, children receive gifts. There seems to be so much joy uh, in our lives and in the community as well. But after Christmas, after New Year, maybe after you've you know, come back from holidays and you have to come back into the normal a grind of everyday life and you know the problems that were there before Christmas they're, they're still there and, and new ones uh, come in as well come into your life too don't they and that joy that you had well you know it doesn't go away exactly but it changes we, we still have joy but we've got this joy in all the complexity of uh, everyday life that's just a, a little thought 
from me. Now, before we look at our passage, uh, I want to check it out in terms of the context that it's written in. And to do that, you've got to actually go back to the previous section, the previous verses in chapter 11 and verses 37 to 54. Actually, we didn't do a sermon on uh, this passage, so let me explain it a little bit to you. Now, up until this time, the Pharisees had often, they'd sort of take taken um, glancing blows at Jesus every so often about his teaching. But now, here in this section, uh, everything gets very close and personal. And uh, Jesus challenges the Pharisees very directly here because he actually goes to one of the Pharisees' homes and he has a meal uh, there with with that Pharisee, probably many Pharisees and other people uh, as well. So, you see, Jesus' teaching is the polar opposite of that of the Pharisees. And so here he confronts them head on uh, that they um, uh, that their teaching is wrong. And let me tell you, they do not like that. You know, Jesus says a few things about them. First, he says, listen, guys, you're pretty selective about how you use scripture. For example, in verse 32, you're meticulous about tithing your herbs in your garden. But when it comes to justice, when it comes to the love of God, you leave that out altogether. And then he goes on. Uh, They look, he says, like this beautiful cup on the outside, this beautiful clean cup. But inside, you are dirty. Inside, you are absolutely filthy. And he also said of them that they'd perverted the Old Testament The Old Testament was giving a message of faith, but they were teaching a message of works. You see, they weren't just not going to heaven themselves, but they were stopping people who wanted God from getting to God as well. So in verses 53 and 54, at the end of the passage, we see that the Pharisees, they get really angry. They get really mad with Jesus. Because, you see, he's unmasked them. He's shown people what they're really like. And they don't want Jesus to do that. They don't want him at all. They, in fact, they want him dead. And they're going to do anything they can to achieve that. And, of course, we know they do achieve that in the end. Now, having spoken um, truth to power in in chapter 11... We come to chapter 12 here where Jesus continues on this same point. And here he's got this huge crowd of gathered. This is really a big crowd. Thousands of people all milling around. And maybe there's this sense of they want to see what the difference is between Jesus and the Pharisees. Maybe, Maybe they want to see a confrontation. We don't know exactly. But Jesus starts by teaching his disciples. Now his disciples would have been more than just the twelve. There were other followers of Jesus there as well. But of course, the whole crowd there, uh, they're all squeezed in together. So of course they hear exactly what he says too. And he says, watch out. Watch out for the hypocrisy of the Pharisees in verses 1 to 3. Be on your guard. Don't be like these guys. Because you see, one day, one day all the things that happen in secret... They're all going to come out. Everybody will know what you have done in secret. 
You see, the Pharisees, they, they said one thing, but they did another thing. You see, they looked righteous, they looked good on the outside, but inside they're actually very, very wicked. See, that's what hypocrisy is, isn't it? See, hypocrisy is living an inconsistent life. Inconsistent between what you do and what you say. And, you know, it's deliberate deception. It's not an accident. Uh, it's done actually on purpose. To make yourself look different from what you really are. And that's what these Pharisees were doing. And, of course, it is wrong. It's a sin. You know, we face this temptation as well, don't we? You know, we try to please people because, because we can see people. You know, they're in our face, aren't they? They're there. It's a lot easier to ignore God because, because we can't see God. But Jesus reminds us here that the God that we can't see sees absolutely everything that we do, even our very thoughts. And when we die, we are going to come before God and he's the one who will judge us. Everything that you've done, Every thought, every, every action is going to be open for everyone to see. It's going to be, you know, it'll be like it's your whole life is replayed on a big screen for everyone to see. No secrets, nothing hidden. God knows it all. Now let me mention this, um, what's uh, stated here, this uh, leaven or yeast it is of the Pharisees. Now, the leaven or the yeast, this is actually the teaching of the Pharisees, the false teaching that they are giving, which is hypocrisy. And the problem you see with wrong teaching is that it just seeps into the whole community, just like yeast in dough. Now, perhaps like me, you decided to cook some bread over, you know, the, um, or the lockdown period with, with COVID. You know, I did that. I, I cooked bread. It was good fun, actually. And you know what happens? You just need a tiny little bit of yeast. And it transforms this big lump of dough into something very different. You see, it penetrates the dough slowly, maliciously, to change it. And when, you know, religious leaders, when they do one thing but say another, it eats into the moral life of the whole community. It changes the community from what it should be. Now here, Jesus is preparing his disciples, you see, for persecution, which is going to come. He's preparing them for when the Pharisees are going to you know, lead the people to totally revolt against him and to crucify him. Crucified Jesus, the very Messiah that the scriptures have told them that they have been waiting for all of this time. And then, of course, after Jesus, they'll persecute the disciples. He's saying, be ready for this. Now, of course, here in Australia, really, we don't face very serious persecution, do we? But um, sometimes, you know, we might uh, keep a little bit quiet about our faith. We don't want to look foolish in front of other people. We want to 
be like everyone else. We don't want to stand out. We don't want people to say bad things about us. Or, or you know, sometimes we might just change the gospel, you know, just a little bit, just to make it a little bit more palatable to people, make it more acceptable to them, maybe a little bit more appealing so people like it a bit more. Maybe we tell people what they want to hear instead. Hey, you're great. God loves you. God is going to make you healthy, wealthy and wise. And, you know, you'll have no suffering in your life if you accept Jesus. Now, all of us would like to hear that. I'd love to hear that. It's a lot more appealing. Trouble is, it's not true. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 2 to 6 says, This just cuts the heart out of the gospel. You know why? Because it's not true. The gospel is truth. Now, I'm not saying that we have to be blunt and, and offend people when we share the gospel with them. Of course, we need to be very sensitive when we tell people about Jesus. You know, and we don't want to tell everybody about all of our private faults or wrongs that we do in our lives. We need to be, of course, very truthful, but we, we confide um, uh, these things to the appropriate people in our lives, not just necessarily to everyone. But, you know, we don't deliberately mislead people. We don't let them think that we're something that we're not. You know, we should be lovingly truthful in every situation. Because, you see, God knows your every thought. I think our life should be, as much as possible, an open book before God and before people as well. Now, uh, the second point comes from verses 4 to 7, and it's about... Fearing God rather than fearing people in our lives. Now, Jesus isn't saying that you should have no fear. He's saying, have the right fear. You know, get the right perspective in your life. I read this story, you know, it was about the First World War. Uh, the German army very easily overcame the very small nation of Belgium. Who'd been, they'd been very defiant, but listen, they lost. And they lost badly. And there's this famous cartoon that came out at that time in Punch magazine. And with the Kaiser of Germany saying to the King Albert of Belgium, So you see, you've lost everything. And Albert says, not my soul. Not my soul. You know, what can people do to us? Jesus is saying here, you know, all the Pharisees can do to you, you know, they've got a lot of influence in the community, you know, they might be able to take your money off you, stop you from getting a job, maybe they could even throw you into jail. Perhaps they might even be able to take your life. But, you know, when we die, when we die, we will meet with God himself. The one who's got the power to send your soul to hell. So get the right perspective. 
It's only logical that we should fear God in our lives rather than fear people. But of course, it's a lot easier to say that than to do it, isn't it? You know, because being scared of people and what they might be able to do to us is, it's pretty real, isn't it? I had a chief executive officer who was a pretty mean type of guy. He uh, yelled a lot. And uh, he did a lot of bad things too. Hugh Palmer, who was a former senior minister of All Souls Church in London, he said this, Fear of man is a very powerful force in all of us. The only antidote I know of is the fear of God. One or the other will control my life. Don't worry about persecution. It's going to come. It'll happen. We should concentrate on God. Concentrate on having the right relationship with him. And all other things will disappear and seem very trivial in comparison. Yeah, because that's what the fear of God is. The fear of God is a term used in the Bible that talks about relationship. For example, Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and uh, verse 12, he says, What does the Lord require of you but to fear God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? You know, to fear God doesn't mean being scared of him. It's about having a proper respect, a proper admiration for who God is. It's having a wonder about his greatness and his power, you know, his holiness, his, his authority and his love for us. It means being in awe of God and wanting to do what he tells us to do as well. You know, we fear God, not, not because we're afraid of him, but because he loves us so much. You know, he knows and cares about you more than the sparrows that he looks after and takes care of. And, and sparrows are worth so, such a small amount in comparison to you. And, you know, I've been told, uh, research that says we're, we're all born with something like about 100,000 hair follicles. Have you ever counted the hairs on your head? Do you keep tabs on them, every single one of them? Um, well, maybe some of you ladies do. You seem to take care of those things a lot better than us guys. Let me tell you, God does. He knows every single one of them. You see, even those things about ourselves that we're unconscious of, that we we don't take a lot of time thinking about, God knows. He knows you intimately. He knows you totally. He knows you completely. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And he loves you so much, more than you could ever be loved by anyone else. 
You see, you're never forgotten by God. He loves us so much that he sent Jesus, his only son, to die on the cross for your sins. You see, Jesus blocked the way to hell for you and for me. He doesn't want us to go there. So much so that he was willing to pay with his own life. He dies so that you don't have to go there. Now that's how precious you are to God. That's how precious, that's how much he loves each and every one of us. Now, in the, the final section here, verses 8 to 12, Jesus is saying to us, you know, fear not. Just keep standing with Jesus all the days of your life, no matter what. You know, he says here, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before the angels of God. That is, before God himself. Everyone who willingly, who who publicly declares that they belong to Jesus. Everybody who says, you know, hey, I follow Jesus. You know, I'm part of Jesus' team. I identify with him. He is my leader. He's the one for me. You know, it's not just about saying the words. It's not just about even being baptised. It's living your life exactly that way. Trusting and acknowledging Jesus in everything that you do. And to deny him, to deny him is to reject all of that. To refuse to follow Jesus as Lord of your life. You know, we've got to stand with Jesus. You know, in a culture today which doesn't want him, throws him out, that wants nothing to do with Jesus. And what he says and what he tells us to do. But we know that on that last day, on the last day when when every single person is going to be judged openly and truthfully and justly by God, there you will stand. And Jesus will walk up to you and he'll put his hand on your shoulder and he will say, you belong to me. You belong to me. Uh, Then it moves on here to verse 10. Now verse 10 is an interesting verse. It's a very tough verse to understand. Uh, It's referred to as uh, the verse that talks about the unpardonable sin. It's also mentioned uh, elsewhere uh, in other scripture. But in this context here, let me just give you a brief summary of what I think Jesus is getting on to us about here. Jesus is most likely referring to people here like the Pharisees. You know, people who've They've seen his miracles. They've seen many of his miracles, in fact. They've heard his teaching. Some of them have even taught God's word themselves. They've done miracles themselves as well. Yet in Luke chapter 11, verse 15, they say, 
Jesus' miracles were a work of the devil. You see, they're, they're always rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit in telling them that Jesus is the one. He is the Messiah. Their hearts have been hardened. They will never repent. They don't want to. You see, it's their own choice. The Pharisees, I think, here are an example of that. Another one would be uh, the Apostle uh, Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus. I think he's also an example of that as well. And then it moves on to the final two verses, 11 to 12, and it says here that the Holy Spirit would teach you what to say when you go through persecution. Not if you go through persecution, but when. You see, a true follower of Jesus will go through persecution. When they put you on trial for your faith and they say to you, renounce Jesus or you're dead. Don't even start worrying about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit at that very moment will give you the word of what you are to say. And those words aren't necessarily going to save your life, by the way. But those words will honour Jesus. I remember um, hearing this story about uh, an American mi a missionary. He went to China uh, in the very early days of when China opened up again. I think it was about the early uh, 1980s. And he went to this really big underground uh, church that was there at that time. It was a huge church, a really big uh, church service that they were having. It was a very vibrant sort of service as well. Of course, it was in Chinese. He didn't understand um, what they were saying, but he enjoyed uh, being at the church at that time. But, you know, in the middle of the service, this uh, really old guy shuffles to the microphone. And he starts talking in a very, very soft voice. And you could barely hear him. And everyone became silent. Everyone listened to every word he said. And then he shuffles away. And the service goes back to normal. After the service, the missionary asked his friend, you know, what was, that, what was that old guy in the service? What did he say? What, what was that all about? And he told him, he said, well, actually, he was a pastor during the revolution. And uh, he was imprisoned for his faith and tortured for many, many years. He would not renounce Jesus because he had a very deep relationship with God and everyone respects him what would uh, I do what would you do if you were persecuted now would I confess Jesus or would I deny him if my life was on the line would I Fear men, or would I fear God? 
You know, when you've got a, a relationship with Jesus, when you know him deeply, I mean know him. Not just that you know, pray and read the Bible, but you communicate with Jesus intimately. You know what he's like. He's your friend. He influences you. When you spend time with him, he changes your character. You become more like him. You know, it makes me think of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. While Stephen was being stoned by the Jews at that time, you know, it says there that he gazed into heaven and he saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Wow! Wow! Fear of man has got nothing compared to that, does it? You know, why not take just a moment right now just to ponder that? Just to think, you know, how, how do I live? Am I afraid of people? What they think of me? What they might say about me? Or do I want the fear of God to control my life? Knowing that he cares for me. That he loves me. And that he's got heaven in mind for me. Choose today whom you will fear. To fear God is always the most wise thing to do. And then, then you know, you'll really be able to live a life of real joy, no matter what the circumstances around you, no matter what happens. We have real joy when we fear the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you at this moment. Help us to change our own thinking and help us to fear you and not to fear people. Help us to be people who are looking beyond this life to that final day in front of your throne. Lord, we want your approval and not the approval of people. And today, like every day, help us to acknowledge you in front of everyone, in front of our friends and, and people we work with and the ones that we love and people we meet on the road of life. Help us to really be proud to acknowledge Jesus to other people, no matter what it costs us. Be with us and forgive us as we fail, as we so often do. And please give us the boldness to really hold you up to other people in our own journey of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.